You are listening to episode 184 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we hookshot Hitler in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Uh, isn't it uh, Master D or something like that, Ryan? I Master don't know. D's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what he can do in this, huh? Okay, so this week we played a little bit of Bionic Commando on the NES, and uh, dude, I really want to play the uh, the remake on PS3. I think I brought this. Actually, you know what? I think I brought up Bionic Commando like a couple months ago. I want to say. I think we've definitely talked about it before. I think that. Um... My really only exposure to Bionic Commando was like Marvel vs. Capcom 3, I mm-hmm. think. He was in that, and I didn't play him. <laughs> gotcha. So that's that's your only exposure. Today you got more exposure. Yeah, dude. I got to see Super Joe. It was great. And you got to see Super Joe, Master D, um, a whole, whole ton of cool stuff. Well, we didn't see Master D. We didn't get that far. All right. Let's talk about our recent pickups and our currently playing. But first... Before we do that, actually, let's tell all the folks where they can find us. They can find us on thegamedeflators.com. They can find us on Twitter at Game Deflators, on Instagram and Facebook at The Game Deflators. And of course, the podcast application you are listening to right now, keep listening and leave us a five-star review. All right. Devil's Third. Digital version. So I ended up picking that up digitally for like 30 bucks on the Wii U through the store. uh, Because as we'll be talking about with our PSA... Uh, you're soon not going to be able to use your credit card on there. So yeah. I figured what better game to get than one that is currently sitting at like $700 that I have sealed in my house and I don't want to crack open, you know? So I was like 30 bucks. I'll give it a shot. I can play it. I can beat it. Whatever I want to do with it. I'll have it digitally on my Wii U and I don't have to crack open a super expensive game mm-hmm. or for that matter, go buy like a disc only, which is also like two or 300 bucks ridiculous yep ridiculous so i picked that up uh obviously you and i played some magic last night we did a little draft and uh i picked up some cards there uh all bulk every single bit of it was all bulk except for like one two dollar card actually no i picked up a three dollar card as well and so it was more so the fun aspect of it obviously i i wish you know i would have been able to get some more out of those packs i did end up getting uh i bought some lands off of some of the kids that were there um you know paid them the right value and everything. And so that ended up working out. Um, actually, no, I picked one up off a kid and then one up off an older guy that was there. And it was the uh, Zyatora's Proving Ground, the red, green, black land from the new set. So I picked those up. That was worthwhile uh, to go in and get that. And then got second place. Uh, what place did you get, by the way? Um, fourth? I think I got third. No, you didn't get third because Robert, the guy that uh, I beat out for second, got third. So I'm thinking you got fourth. Did you get oh, a man. Did you get a promo pack? Uh, no, but I okay. did get like a special random prize card. Yeah, I got one of those too. No, Which not like, pretty... not the one they were like, oh, go and pull. She was like, oh, hey, you got like the random drawing one tonight. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know about What'd you get? I don't know. Some foil green thing. Oh, out of a new set or older set? New set. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, the art on it's neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's nice. Are you looking for it right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's right there. 
Uh, yeah, so second place is nice. I got two packs out of that. Um, out again, second, and then a promo pack, which is pretty cool, plus the packs we get for the draft. So this particular location we went to, I can't, is that Gala Greeters? Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's actually a really good card. Yeah, it looks like the Emerald freaking City. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. You might actually, it's not, I don't think it's super valuable, but it's a good card. Um, yeah, so second place we were doing at this place, um, it was a prize per win, or pack per win, and then the top three got a promo pack. I was kind of pissed because the guy that was next to me, like the older guy who got third place, he ended up getting his promo pack. He got like a planeswalker and something else. I'm like, man, if I would have been there before him and just walked up front instead of teaching that little kid how to play magic, I would have been okay. Well, that's what you think. But then in reality, that's not how the universe works. Like the cards don't physically manifest in the pack until you open it. Oh, right. Up until that point, they they could be any cards. But they do. Well, I pretty much picked up bulk rares yesterday. That, That was about it. Um, which is fine. I mean, bulk rares can sometimes be a value down the road, depending what they are, uh, if they get broken. So always, always fun to mess with that. Um, and I'm currently playing, uh, I am still in the fire temple for Zelda because I haven't really played that much. And when I do play, I start falling asleep. And unfortunately, Ocarina of Time does not save your progress in the location in which you are. It goes to the very beginning of Fire Temple. So I could get to like the final area and I'm sitting there falling asleep at a boss every yeah. single time without fail. At so, least you know how to do everything and where to go. Yeah, I know. It's just pain in the ass because I start falling asleep. So I'm probably after we're done recording, I'm probably play a little bit to beat the Fire Temple. There you go. Just and then, out. Yep, exactly. And then playing some Apex uh, Legends still. So I've been playing that every few nights with Justin, which is, of course, eating away from my time at Ocarina of Time. I am thinking, though, that my puppy uh, that I've been so worried about, like going upstairs to play and everything while she's downstairs, she's getting a little bit better uh, in terms of not getting into things. So I might be able to start going upstairs and playing right away at night, which means I should be able to knock this out quicker. That's really been kind of the big strangle that I've had for this is not being able to truly like sit back for a few hours at a time so that's why i've been playing so much apex because i you know can obviously you could just get in a quick bit yeah i can get in a quick bit i could sit downstairs with the dog i don't have to go upstairs my loft to play and uh now that she's a little older i'm thinking like she's kind of gotten in the habit of when i play upstairs she goes upstairs as well and lays down on the floor you know Uh, john that's good if you Hmm. had more well, I guess you would need some kind of converter, wouldn't you, to hook your N64 up downstairs? Well, I can hook it up downstairs. I just, it's it's more so the wire aspect, and I don't want to have to buy a wireless N64 controller to be able to play. Mm, that's, that's very true, yeah. That's yeah. my big hang-up on it, is just that. Do they have extension N64 plugs? That'd they do, cool. and I, I have one, but... Again, I'm not really interested in doing that because then I've got a long cable. Yeah. And then based on where my N64 sits, I'm going to have the dog kind of running back and forth occasionally. And I just don't want to worry about like them knocking over a a console. So that's my main thing. And then those shelves that I have within the entertainment center, like I would have to put it on the shelf. It'd be in a weird spot. Yeah. Yeah, And if I want to play it, I got to take it down, put it on the floor. It's just not worth the hassle, which is why I have the loft set up the way it is. Uh, to be able to play those games. But what I do need to do is purchase an AV uh, box so that way I can hook up multiple AV cables. Because as we saw the other day, I can't do it with components. So I'm right now running into the case of two AV lines and I'm having to constantly swap out depending on what I want to play, which kind of sucks. So, uh, but yeah, Apex has been fun though. Uh, with Justin, we've been doing arenas. I'm ranked like silver two or something, which isn't that great uh, considering that 
every time we play, we'll like win two, lose one, win two, lose three. And it's like we're at that 50% range. And it's not necessarily that we're playing poorly. Like he and I are playing very well. I mean, winning 50% of your matches is like the matchmaking system doing its job effectively. It is to an extent. It's also a matter of some of the people we're playing with are just straight garbage. Like that's that's part of it. I mean, you I, guys are a twosome. Yeah, no, exactly. And so you're going to lose a, most likely to threesomes and, and yep. wipe most rando groups. Yep. So we'll wipe rando groups pretty easily. Um, threesome groups will definitely get destroyed by oftentimes. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, several factors. And I've talked about before where somebody just doesn't play or they disconnect or whatever it may be. And they're sitting in the back and we end up losing because it's 3v2. Maybe maybe you need to use your marketing degree here, John. Maybe you need to go on, find like a, a looking for group forum and like recruit out some like ringer online who, who needs some twosome. I mean, they're there. I add people all the time whenever we're playing uh, arena. So like occasionally we'll find somebody that's a really good player and we'll team up with them. And so that's pretty cool. Like I actually uh, met a, a predator. The other day, not not a predator in the sense of, you know, Jared, but a predator from Apex <laughs> and, uh, you know, Apex predator. Get it. And so we were playing with this pred and we didn't do arenas. We just did like trios with the guy. And he's like, hey, anytime you guys want to play trios, like hit me up, like just regular trios. He's like, I got a ranked group, but I don't have a group that I do just like regulars with. And occasionally I like to do regulars for practice. So he's like, just hit me up whenever you guys want to. So I have a predator on there that I can play with now, which is pretty cool. All right, uh, Ryan, I talked for a longer period of time because I saw you had nothing for your pickups. Yeah, this and, was yeah. not the the week for me. I don't really know what I wasted all of my time doing this week, but it certainly wasn't playing games. Um, Pondering how we were going to play Magic on a Friday night together. That's what it yeah, was. Your mind like, was on that. I get it. I definitely brought my Xbox back upstairs with every intention to check out more of trek to yomi because i basically left off just after like the intro part like you play as like the kid in the beginning and then yeah. you play a bit as like an adult and then a thing happens and then the story like really actually starts like now you've completed the background of the story gotcha so i had every intention of picking that up and running with it but i just never did and my whole playing Dragon Quest before bed thing, that never really panned out the way I thought it would because, you know, stuff, plans, never happens. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, Elden Ring? No? No Elden Ring? Um, No. So like I said, last time I played Elden Ring, I brought my Xbox over to my friend's house and I was going to show them some games, but that was um, a couple weeks ago when Xbox was down like all weekend. Yeah. And I I went in and I like second or first tried like this one boss and then like third tried the boss like right after that in the city. Like I had stopped in like the big city part and I was just like, oh, I've just played so much of this. And then when I picked it up and I just like kind of ran through the next two bosses pretty quick, my friends were like, holy shit, man, like you're doing tons of damage. I was like, I mean, I just kind of built my my build that way and it works pretty good because i'm using the the what is it moonvale katana and i think everybody says that its ability is like pretty cheap and powerful yeah so i should definitely i should definitely go play some elder maybe i'll try to play some elder ring today that could be something fun because i'm not the rest of my plans today that i usually would have are kind of out the window yeah 
Well, like I said, I think I'm going to play some Ocarina of Time today. Hopefully beat that next week. That You know, that's my goal. Let me try and get that beat by next week. Because I've got to step up and, and get this thing done. Because, you know, I've got some crazy stuff happening in a few months here. And then i got to play Majora's Mask still. Plus, I want to play Elden Ring. Like, those are two games and really third game with Ocarina of Time being the third that I, that I want to beat by end of year. Like, if there's several games i got to beat, those are them. Yeah, I mean, I've also been thinking I... Like I crushed the inflation or not inflation. I think we both do that all the time. The new game's resolution. I crushed that way early on, uh, hoping that, you know, playing through that would bring me back to God of War so that I could go through, replay God of War, finish it this time and be ready for Ragnarok when it drops. Because I'm not going to wait for a PS5 to get Ragnarok. I'm just going to play it. It's going to be the best looking PS4 game ever made. So... Why That's don't the you one just, I'm gonna play. Why don't you just pick up where you left off in God of War? Because, dude, I, I it doesn't matter. Like, there's so many different play styles for like the way you build. And I was building like a very magic heavy build when mm-hmm. I was playing. So, like, I can go through this game again, get all those experiences. Like, I love God of War. I've played the original trilogy like at least twice through. Um, like I played it all of them back to back again waiting for the first one to come out or the first new one to come out. Like I'm not going to go back and play the original trilogy again now, but yeah. But like if you know, you didn't beat, the... I can't pick up in the middle of a game like that. Really? No, that's my biggest thing. That's why most games that I don't finish, I just don't go back to especially RPGs. Cause there's nothing worse than playing like 45 hours of an RPG. And you know, the gist of what happens, you probably forgot all the details, but like, as you play through it again, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, and it might not have that same effect on you as it did the first time. Mm-hmm. And so that by the time you're getting to the end where you got burned out the first time, you're probably most likely going to get burned out before you even reach that point. Gotcha. And I just I can't pick up in the middle of something like that and just be like, oh, whatever happened before, who cares? I'm trying to think which game I did that with in particular. Oh, it was Final Fantasy seven actually years ago. So, you know, I told you I'd beat Final Fantasy 7, or not beat it, but I got to like the very end. There was a glitch. I wasn't a high enough level and I couldn't get out of the cave at the end with Sephiroth. I don't know what it was, just would not work. And so I ended up restarting it. And at some point I just stopped midway through. Mm. For whatever reason, I just stopped playing it. And then I picked it up like four or five years later and got everything, Knights it around, Gold Chocobo, all that good stuff, like leveled up my weapons I, I got omni slash all that nutsy stuff and uh, adding ended up beating the game of course um but it was like literally like a four or five year delay between play mm-hmm. it was interesting how that worked out but yeah i enjoyed it okay uh as far as what we're covering this week so a psa on the final countdown for the 3ds and wii u eShop credit card payments in north america uh, Sony CEO says the bungee acquisition was a major step forward in becoming a multi more multi-platform Halo's co-creator reacts to the TV series, and he says it is not the Halo I made. And then another bonus article this week that we're kind of looking at is uh, there's a report that EA is looking to sell or merge. That came out yesterday. And oh, look, Ethan Gack, again, all the articles we do of him on Kotaku. I swear, Kotaku has like three people that write. Like, that's why we get the same people all the time. All right. Our first one here is the PSA. So this is Nintendo Life, Thomas Whitehead. And, you know, really, I mean, the key thing here is that, you know, we talked about this before. 
Nintendo is going to be ending its uh, credit card payment process. Actually, it'll be happening, uh, as a matter of fact, when you're listening to this episode, which will be May 23rd, uh, credit card payments are no longer going... Either it's going to continue up into the 23rd or it'll be after 23rd. But that said, uh, if you have not purchased a game using your credit card on the Wii U or the 3DS and you want to, today might be the last day or tomorrow uh, is the last day. And you may have to go ahead and buy a Nintendo eShop card to be able to do any more purchases down the road. And that, unfortunately, is going to end in August. I think it was the 29th is what they said in the article. Uh, so just uh, an FYI, if you haven't picked up those games, jump into it. There's tons and tons of games on the 3DS and the Wii U eShop uh, that will be gone forever, which is why I got Devil's Third, because that's probably just going to skyrocket even more in value once it is no longer available on the uh, on the Wii U. Because I, Ryan, I don't see them putting that game out again at any point. No, yeah, that's not going to be a game they're ever going to be like, hey, it's the 25th anniversary of Devil's Third. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, unless Nintendo, is that a first party Nintendo title? Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, because I just don't see them really licensing that out for like a remake. Because like Nintendo has shown that they'll do remakes of stuff, but not stuff like that, I don't think. Yeah, so I highly doubt they'll ever remake that. As far as I know, the game itself was made by a studio that I think has gone under ever since. And Nintendo owns the rights to that game. So, yeah. I don't think it's ever coming out again. Um, So that, I I think that will end up being the rarest Wii U game. Yeah, I mean, if it's not already, right? I think it is already. Uh, Here, let's just hit up some price charting from a value perspective. Let's look at the Wii U. Okay, I think... I think of all this, um, you know, we've known these closures are coming soon and we're going to start dealing with this a lot more moving forward, um, you know, with the Vita and the PS3. When's that happening? That's like next year or something, right? Because uh, they we talked about that a so. while ago and they like delayed it out. I don't even know when that is. Check your check your Internet, your local Internet provider. Maybe they'll yeah. know. Um, so... But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so let's see. Rarest things on the console. I'm so happy I picked up the Zelda console. Uh, the Hyrule Warriors Limited Edition is the most rare game on the console. However, it's a limited edition. So when you consider from a... And the same thing with like Mario Kart 8. Same deal. That's like 1200 bucks. But when you consider Devil's Third as a standalone title, no limited edition, none of that good stuff, uh, it is currently sitting at $507 complete according to price charting uh, and in 562 new on there. So yeah, these, uh, God, man, I wish I would have picked up the Mario Kart eight limited edition. Cause it was a, I think a UK only release and I tried to get one and it just wasn't available. Like mm. there was no way for me to get it. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a few games like Skylanders uh, team strap team starter pack. I mean, it's pretty pricey, but you know, when you start looking well, at nobody, physical... you can't buy Skylanders for digital. Yeah. Holy crap. The Axiom Verge multiverse game is pretty pricey, too. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, as far as like non-digital or special edition versions are concerned. Yeah. Devil's Third is going to be the highest price one. OK, so I think that, um, you yeah, know, man, there's there's games on here. I'm looking at this list that like I had opportunities to pick up and I didn't. 
You mean like everybody? Well, yes, like everybody. But <laughs> I mean, you know, thirty dollars just like several months back, and that are sitting at three hundred. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think this is going to really spark anything for me. I've really wanted to get a 2DS for the last couple years um, because I think I wanted to use it for like emulating and stuff because yeah. I like the design of it. You know, this means if I really wanted to, I would be basically forced to act now, like get a 2DS do in the article. There's a link I didn't really follow it too much, but they say that regardless of what region, uh, we all have until the 29th of August to redeem any eShop fund cards. So you can link your Nintendo account to your old Nintendo Network ID. That way, whatever funds you add in into your Switch will be available on the Wii U and 3DS. So you could still get money in there, just not with your credit card anymore. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. If people have known about this, have you already acted at this point? Are they going to do some crazy fire sales like the last day that it's available? Are they just going to put everything down to 99 cents or something crazy? Who knows? Yeah, I don't think it'll happen that way, but no, I don't know. Whatever. We could all I'll probably go get like a $50 gift card or something just to throw it on. Like it says, because if there's if nothing ever happens, I could still spend that money on the switch. Exactly. You know, you're better off probably just being conservative if you think that there might be something you want or you predict that, you know, maybe they'll have some crazy sales or something as we come closer and closer to those final days. It could be worth it just to do it because the money won't go away. So here, here's a dumb one for you. On the Wii U specifically, the Book of Unwritten Tales 2 on the Wii U, complete in box is sitting at $300. Guess how much I could buy it for on the PlayStation 4 complete? How much? $9. Do I want it on Nintendo Switch? $14. Do I want it on Xbox One? $6. Why in the world that game is that much is unbelievable, dude. Yeah. Like, it just drives me crazy. So, yeah, I mean, if these are titles that you're wanting to purchase specifically on the Wii U, now's the time to do it. Because it's... It's yeah. basically the last time to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. God, the other one I need to look at is uh, the Kirby game on the Wii U. Is one that I wanted to pick up a long time ago as well. Um, what is it? And the Rainbow Curse? Yeah, I got to pick that up before. It's just stupid price as well. Okay. Our next one here, dude, is uh, Sony CEO saying that the Bungie acquisition marked a major step forward in becoming more multi-platform. And it's uh, Tom Ivan at Video Game Chronicle. So they pretty much just had a discussion with the Sony CEO around this acquisition. And, you know, the key thing that they they mention is obviously Sony diving into more of that PC type of platform uh, with their titles. They've, you know, announced a ton of games going on there. Um, but then it, it kind of dives back into like the Xbox aspect as well and some of the other acquisitions that have been occurring and how Sony is, of course, looking to keep things like this multi-platform, but Xbox also keeping things multi-platform. Everybody wants to play and, ball. Yeah, everybody's wanting to play ball now. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of all for it. But at the same time, it's a little frustrating because, you know, you're you're picking up, you know, a certain console to get certain games. It's like, oh, well, now it's on PC. Well, like, I get it. It's, 
your preferred method of play. And, you know, if you want to play it on the PS4, fantastic. If you want to play it on PC, great. But, you know, I, I bought a PS5 specifically for, you know, to play games that were exclusive to the PS5. So this multi-platform approach is a little frustrating in, in that Well, regard. you'll play first on PlayStation 5. And then, like, a year or two later, they'll get, like, a decent port out, you know, that doesn't cut corners and has, you know, a good suite of options, hopefully, and really brings, like, that PC masterclass experience that those players are really willing to put up waiting those extra two years for, you know? But the thing is, you're also working on getting into that area yourself so like maybe with the way that you don't like to you know always buy a game right away because you can pick it up cheaper later you can look at this as like i don't want to buy this game right away not because i'm worried about saving out on the price but because i want that better optimum experience like you didn't cheap out like on elden ring yeah, no, I, I get it. Like, that makes sense. You know, the other thing is just Sony is is changing direction here in general. Like, one of the other things that they did recently is they hired somebody on who was from Apple. And uh, the goal there is to adapt, and this might be in the other article, but it, the goal there is to adapt a lot of their, um, you know, their premier titles into a mobile type of game. Like, they are truly expanding into different types of, um, different types of, you know, game services here. And it, you know, while it is refreshing at the same time, it's kind of crappy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, just because of, you know, you and I have been playing games for years. Like there's a certain way and certain, you know, there's just something about it, man. Like the physical component, the way things have always been, you know, you've always had like your, your wars between the different uh, companies and now to see them all kind of playing ball, all of them saying, we just want a big piece of this pie and we're all going to go in it together and co-develop and, put games on each other's systems like it's just kind of i don't know man it just kind of sucks <laughs> well i mean it's it's kind of the eventual you know everybody buying everybody out and you just get these big companies that all have so much stake in you know what was before so it's like you know these consoles have really been relying on call of duty to get oh, out yeah. there like before the xbox 360 and you know modern warfare really really blowing up huge like there was not as many gamers out there and without that having had happen we never i don't think we would realistically be where we are right now i think we would be further behind in the timeline where it was more of a niche thing still so like the ability for one company to just completely take that off the board and say nobody can have access to this like it's going to garner them so much ill will from those fans that you know only play on that one console and now the, you're asking them to pay you know seven hundred dollars to be able to play the new game this year and you know they still get to make a bunch of that money and i don't know how it works with the microtransactions like i assume that xbox is going to get a cut of the microtransactions and then you know the money goes to sony ultimately and sony will wind up getting the bigger end of that deal so you know it's it's a good smart business decision and it keeps them out of that hate circle especially with the competition nowadays like there was that one 
um mobile game that's like a huge first person shooter and they're like trying to bring it over to consoles i think it was like crossfire x or something like that and it i'm just, not sure yeah it it didn't hit so well but like if you take that away you can you know easily fill that spot in with like whatever the next hot first person shooter is that's ready to take hold so you know there's there's just a lot going on out there i think that they need to rely on each other if they don't want to alienate the fan base and they want to keep making all the money in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying here and you know, I'm, I'm honestly a little surprised that this didn't happen earlier in the life cycles of these companies uh, coming through of gaming or, you know, really more so earlier in the life cycle of Microsoft jumping into the picture of Xbox and that they didn't just try to suck everything out of the market. Right. Like once they saw somewhat success of Xbox, I'm surprised it didn't start like, buying a ton of companies at that point in time because they've always had a good amount of money you know available to them so yeah but i don't think they had the proper delivery system before like i think with game pass and online you know downloadable games being the direction they're really trying to push towards it makes more sense than them you know having to get studios that are going to do big store box releases like they could plan out much smaller releases to fit in a longer schedule like with the next couple years it's going to be crazy we're going to have like a new first party xbox game like launching on game pass like every month it's going to be nuts yeah well uh you know i know you had this list as number four but let's look at uh the next thing here with ea looking to sell or merge because it kind of dives into that topic as well and uh this one was ethan gack at kotaku uh so you know this is actually a pretty lengthy article uh, well not really as lengthy i think the uh the one we just did was pretty lengthy we uh, say but- that sometimes and i feel like it really lets people know that i don't read very much because <laughs> i'm <laughs> complaining about the length of like these articles people read books they yeah. no no pity for me. Brian's like three pages of an article. Oh man, I can't read that. Uh, yeah, so basically, apparently EA is shopping themselves around right now. They've gone to a number of different companies to try and uh, you know purchase them, uh, such as Disney, Apple, and Amazon. Uh, but the key thing is, even though they're being shopped around, they are looking for more of a merger type of play right now because they want to keep their existing CEO at the top. Yeah, and Greg uh, Wilson. Yeah, and so. You know, they had apparently there was a deal with like NBC Universal that got pretty far along and it stopped. Um, you know, like I said, they had Disney on here. They had Apple and Amazon. But what's interesting, though, is it dives into and I'm trying to read between the lines here. It dives into the whole thing of like FIFA is no longer going to have an exclusive agreement with EA. Disney is no longer going to have an exclusive agreement with EA for Star Wars. So like they're losing certain properties. So like. What happens if the NFL says, hey, you know what? We're going to do the same thing. We're going to push this out to multiple companies. EA dropped FIFA, not the other way around. EA said that we don't want to pay your licensing. So we're just going to make our own like EA soccer club game and you can kick dirt. And FIFA was like, oh, well, you know, we'll just make the best FIFA game. FIFA 2023, FIFA 2024, FIFA 2025. And it's like, dude, do you even know how long it takes to make a video game? You're not going to put out a new FIFA without a company that's been making FIFA every year. Like you're going to get a new studio to from scratch 
make you the best soccer game? I don't think so, FIFA. Well, who knows, man? I mean, they're they're looking to do EA Sports FC as a rebrand for the Blockbuster franchise. Um, I wish it was actually Blockbuster. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, they, they've, you know, reduced the number of properties that they can obviously, you know, create games for. If NFL ends their partnerships, so say NFL ends it, right? Uh, then that's gone. You know, I, I don't think they're doing anything of baseball right now. I think the big baseball one is MLB The Show. Uh, and and I that's, think that's Xbox. That's, well, no, that's Sony. Sony no. makes that actually. Oh, wait. Mlb the show is a Sony game. Yeah, no, it came out on Game Pass or something for some. It reason, did because uh, ba- Major League Baseball said that they would be uh, taking away Xbox that partnership. They would part with it if they didn't release a multi-platform. That oh, was okay. a big deal there. Uh, I think they have hockey on EA. So, I mean, you know, I wonder if some of this is that they're losing some of these properties and like, you know what, let's just go ahead and sell or merge. Let's, let's kind of handle this in a way that we can get our money. Uh, from whatever merger that comes through or, you know, or it gets sold potentially and get a boatload of money from that and kind of get out of it. Um, you know, it's always a possibility. And there's a lot of consolidation happening in the market right now, video games as well. So it's it's really an interesting uh, future that EA has in front of it, I think. Any thoughts on it? Like, did you how much of this did you check out? I mean, EA is is a big dog and it's going to take somebody really big to buy them. and especially because they do have those inroads with other places. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this was a pickup from like a really big company or somebody looking to break more into video games. Like Disney broke off their deal with, you know, doing exclusive star Wars with them, but they've done star Wars. And I know Disney doesn't want to, I guess Disney sold off all their stuff. So they're not looking to acquire somebody. So throw Disney out. I mean, I'm just wondering if there's not a media company out there. Like, I don't think Netflix is the right person. Like Netflix wants to get into gaming, but there's no connection between like Netflix and the NFL. But like, you know, if something like, but there could be Amazon wanted to, they could definitely, you know, down the road figure out how to get you know espn partnered with amazon prime and then also have you know your nfl sports games and stuff available through the you know well, I they, they amazon are though. doing stuff like amazon that. already has thursday night football games i don't know if they're contracted for this year but they've been doing thursday night football games for a few years now mm-hmm. um you know they are looking to get into gaming uh ea is saying hey we're looking to merge or potentially just keep all of our people at the top there could be something worked out where because they've you know, never yeah. had a good person at Amazon in the gaming division to to head it up. Whereas like, you know, EA has been effective at what they've done. Like those people, you know, maybe some positions become redundant, but, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, if they can keep it like EA as is for the most part and bring them into like that Amazon umbrella, I could see Amazon making that type of acquisition you know, for gaming and I just don't see another game company doing it. I I can't either, especially given the size of EA and the fact that those properties are all essentially owned by, you know, the NFL and and FIFA in that case for, for soccer and the NHL, like all of those major, major properties um, that they, they kind of go forward with. I mean, EA has got obviously a lot more, but they do, but you know, they're synonymous with sports. And so, I mean, 
given that battlefield have to... was a big disappointment too yeah so like battlefield's gone down a tube you have sports organizations or really leagues that are interested in potentially moving off of ea um you know i, I think they have good legacy properties i'm sure they do you know and they do a lot of publishing work as well so yeah i mean i can see them being acquired and, and continue doing work for like a an apple or um you know, an Amazon, I think Amazon's a more likely one. Netflix would be, I think, a, a dark horse to acquire somebody like EA, uh, predominantly because, you know, Netflix recently lost subscriber base and such, right? Like their subscriber base dropped a little bit for the first time in however many years it affected their stock. If they did an acquisition of some sort for EA and were able to bring like, you know, Madden and such to the Netflix platform to be able to stream games on there, dude, that would be solid. Like, I think they would actually get a good amount of people interested in that. Yeah, I know they're working on new Dead Space. Yeah, um, I mean Apex is definitely something people would like to pick up. Mm-hmm. Like, who wouldn't want to own that moneymaker? Yeah, There's uh, a lot Dragon Age have. is a big one. You know, everybody's waiting for the next Dragon Age. That's gonna come out not too terribly long, and then. As terrible as EA is, they actually have some pretty good properties. Yeah, they're decent. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye out. We'll see who wants to make a move. Yeah, or who EA wants to get in bed with. One of the two. All right. Next thing here is the uh, Halo co-creator reacted to the TV series, saying, not the Halo I made. Uh, this is PC gamer Andy Chalk. And... You know, I really can't judge a series itself. I haven't watched it. I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of holding off to potentially binge, which makes sense. Um, you know, in, in this case, this guy um, was essentially a, a major designer or something for yeah, this Halo is in Bungie general, Bungie veteran, right? Marcus Leto. Yeah, so he had a lot of, you know, hands in Halo as a whole when it first got started, and you know, looking at the TV show, he's like, yeah, this is a new direction. It's very different from the world that we created. And at the end of the day, he's like, you know what? That's okay, though. Um, he said that there's some pretty cool spots in the show uh, as far as like plasma shots that are good. And uh, he enjoys it. So, you know, I think it's from a creator standpoint, I think it's okay to look at something that you worked on and see it adapted and, and re-envisioned and such, as long as it's not butchered. I like I said, have not seen it. I have a friend that says he absolutely hates it uh, and he's a big Halo fan. But I mean, I think it's based on, you know, perception, right? There's going to be some people like it, some people that don't. I think a lot of people that hate it are going to be the nostalgia group, right? Like, oh, it's not the Halo that I envisioned. This isn't the story. It doesn't follow Master Chief's, you know, uh, story well whatsoever. Like you're going to have those people. Then you're going to have people like, you know, maybe yourself or myself. They're like, you know, it's a a net new thing. It's a re-envisioned view of, you know, Halo and that's okay. Um, kind of like uh, Uncharted having that movie, right? Like I, I liked the film. I just didn't like the people they cast. And in this case, like, can you really mess up casting for Master Chief? You know? Like, yeah, you can. Like, you take his helmet off. Yeah, you take his helmet off. Did they take <laughs> his helmet off in the show? Like all the freaking time. Okay, then they messed it up, Ryan. They messed it like, up. Like, I think it was like the first episode or the second episode, and everybody was like, oh, this, they already took his helmet off. Like, The Mandalorian didn't even do that in the first episode. Oh, that's disappointing, Ryan. Now I don't want to watch it. So, we'll see. I, 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 all of my statements I just made. All yeah, of them. Yeah. I record. have 
very little interest in this show. I mean, I haven't really been into Halo since Halo 3 anyways. I feel like there was a time when Halo could have been a multimedia property, but it would have been back when like Iron Man came out uh, and it would have been a movie. That's that's what I imagine. I think that things have just gone along too far now that trying to reach back to be like, oh, let's make Halo like like a series. No, I, I think people would have wanted to see you know, Master Chief running around for two hours, giving you an awesome action movie with the best that 2009 could have offered you in the movie theater. Um, right now, I think that, you know, it's it's fine. Like, I'm not crapping on anybody who, who wants to like this show or anything. And I think this is a really good, healthy view for the creator to express here because realistically when somebody's remaking something or putting something out there no creative wants to shot for shot individually recreate somebody else's thing and just have no artistic input in the process at all that's not why people get into those type of fields so like you need to expect changes you need to expect that kind of stuff but i mean i the last i heard uh spoilers if you don't want to know anything about the halo series tune out for a sec uh, he's like sleeping with some lady who is actually a covenant. She's like a human covenant. I don't know. I, so, I forgot that part in, in Halo where Master Chief banged the covenant lady. Huh. So, I, you know, they're going definitely in their own direction with this. And, you know, whatever. I guess if people like it, I don't think Paramount has anything to offer. I don't think I don't think anybody should pay for that service probably right now. Just wait for this whole series to be done and then cash in your 30-day trial and binge it if you're really that curious. Well, like I said, I can't really judge based off of, um, you know, having not seen it. But I think it'll be worth me diving in, watching it on the free, on the free trial. I am curious. See how it turns out. And uh, to see if it is, in fact, a dumpster fire or not. But got to keep an open mind with things like this. And you're right on the creative, you know, the creative aspect, right? Or the creator um, not wanting to see like a shot for shot type of deal or, you know, even on, on the side of the creators of a show, right? Like they shouldn't have to be pigeonholed into doing a shot for shot of something as well. Like they should have that artistic freedom. And what's interesting is uh, it kind of reminded me like when I was getting my tattoo, uh, you know, a few weeks back, I was talking to my artist about it. And like, I gave him like the art that I wanted to kind of get done. He's like, well, I want to put a spin on it. I want to do this. And, you know, we worked on it and I like how it turned out. Um, but as we were sitting there, I guess the receptionist came in and showed him some art and said, Hey, this guy wants to do some touch up work and showed the art and everything. And, he, and they were like, yeah, but he wants to also add this, wants to add a little color here. And he was like, no, I'm good. And, I mean, you look at the guy and he's turning down probably three hours of work, 450 bucks. Right. And he's saying no. And I asked him, I was like, why, you know, why'd you turn it down? You know, given that, you know, they're obviously just looking for like some general touch up work in this. He's like, because I don't want to touch somebody else's art. He's like, it's not my vision. And it's just not something like, you know, I wouldn't want somebody taking my art and redoing it. Um, so I don't want to do that to somebody else. Yeah, so art's that was kind of weird for view. people. Yeah. It's different for everybody. Like uh, for anybody that doesn't know, I was actually an art major. I got a ceramics degree. And, you know, 
I always felt like some people had like much deeper opinions on art and some people didn't and it didn't make anybody's, you know, experience with it any more or less valid. But yeah, some people I, I could see really not wanting that to happen or some people being like, Hey, it's your arm, man, go wherever you want. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, let's look into our inflation deflation for the week now. And uh, this week we played Bionic Commando, as we noted earlier. It was developed by Capcom. It was published by Capcom. It was released in December of 1988 in North America by Capcom. Uh, it is a platformer by Capcom. And it <laughs> has a reception of an A plus and a 26 out of 40. That was not by Capcom. That was like Fatsumu and such. Um, but kind of diving into a little bit of the history here. So I got the wiki open, Ryan. Uh, this game was originally released in Japan, and we're probably going to get slammed by Apple and removed for the week on this. Uh, it was called Hitler's Resurrection Top Secret. And uh, it was, a, of course, a platform game released on the family computer and the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1988. I always laugh at you know, the fact it was family computer and the title of that game. Uh, but the entire idea here is that you're playing a character named Lad, uh, who is part of this FF Battalion, and you have this mechanical arm that has a grappling hook to it. And unlike other platformers where you're jumping platform to platform and such, you literally have to swing from platform to platform and climb your way up using this bionic arm, hence Bionic Commando. And uh, the game itself, like the overall plot, centers around uh, really just kind of two different states, in this case, Federation of the Empire, and uh, one of the groups finds this top secret project and they're of course trying to stop them. Uh, the localization of this game. So for North America and really everywhere else in the world outside of Japan, they removed a lot of the, uh, the Nazism aspects. So uh, in the Japanese version, you've got like a swastika and like, you know, in multiple areas, whereas in the localized versions outside of Japan, they have it uh, replaced with an Eagle, which I want to say that Eagle is still, you know, world war two Germany type of symbol. It's just not as like, you know it's just not the swastika yeah it's just not the swastika so and we all know you know very different connotations for different you know eastern versus western histories with that symbol yeah exactly and in this case they even went as far back as like adding the thunderbolt behind it too which is even crazier uh that they did that but uh in the english version they renamed uh the enemies to be bads and they refer to them as nas uh as well and but they did of course scrub everything that was nazism and then a lot of the characters themselves, like the, the enemies and characters in the game, uh, have actually been, they keep their same type of look uh, as the old game, but it's a little more difficult to tell. Like you could actually come off and think that they're Russian at first too, just because they're all red. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's part of it. Not to say that Russians wear red, but that's, that's kind of, you know, what we think about it, I guess, here in the West. The Red Army. We get yeah, it. Yeah, the Red Army. Um, and then they, of course, uh, renamed uh, the final boss or evil character to Master D these nuts and there is still a gory sequence at the end where uh, hitler's face explodes which is a wonderful end to the game uh so that's all the history behind that one uh i think this game was actually quite a bit of fun like like most nintendo games of this era sometimes if you don't play them as frequently like i don't play them as frequently uh you run into issues where you die quite a bit at first trying to get a hold of the controls trying to understand it and so it took me a little bit, you know, to get used to grappling and such. But once I got the hang of that, I was able to get over to the final boss of the first level and such and, and beat that and, and kind of get that done. So um, 
so it's very short in what I played. And, and Ryan, I think you got to about this area as well. Uh, the first area is, of course, just a few platforms. You get a few enemies and then there's like a room at the top that you got to get to. And so you talk to the computer, you kind of get your mission and everything. And that opens up a door to another part of the level. And, you know, in what you played as well, a lot of that first level is kind of really hinging on the first bits of that, like that grappling learning hook. how to swing. Yeah. And so it really kind of that's the core focus, right? Like I felt there isn't much on the shooting component. And then it really builds you into uh, in the next part of a level, you actually fall down like this pit. And um, I died at first because like, when does this end? And apparently it ends with a bunch of spikes at the bottom. But you got to use your grappling hook to try and attach yourself to one of the sides and stop your fall. And then you build your way up and as you need to get to the level you need to go to. Uh, that was a lot of enemies. It was lots of swarms of enemies coming in. You pick up, I don't know what the hell the bottles are. I don't know if it's pill bottles yeah, or so what. Did you notice, like, if you grabbed it with your arm, you'd get, like, a little green dot, but if you just, like, walked into it, you didn't? I did not notice that, but it would not surprise me if that was, if it was critical for you to grab it with your arm. I um, spent most of my time, like, I didn't get far at all. I spent most of my time just playing with it, playing with the mechanics, trying to figure out the swing, trying to figure out how to open the door on the second screen because I didn't realize I chose the wrong option at the computer terminal in the first screen. Yeah. Game over it a couple times, swung off Spider-Man style into the water a few times and died. <laughs> yeah, same here on the Spider-Maning into the water at first. Yeah, so once I got a hang of the controls, dude, and I went through that second part of a level. It was more so like this underground bunker with like piping and such. And uh, you had electrical fence type things that were there that you had to go through. And swarms of enemies somehow parachuting uh, undergrounds, which was kind of weird. Um, but <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of parachuting in in the middle of the earth like it was very odd um but got through all of that got to the final boss which was probably the easiest final boss in a level or not final boss but easiest boss level that i've ever played in a video game hmm. um the guy was pretty much like you'll never stop me and the computer. boss or the level leading up to the boss the boss of that okay, level that boss. area okay. yeah that area it was the one boss in that area and so he's like you'll never stop me in our computer and he's like well you know, we'll protect it, whatever. And you have all these swarms of enemies coming through shooting at you. And it's just like, just constantly shooting. That's all I had to do. Shot the boss a few times. He disappears. And then I just sat in front of this master computer and just kept shooting it. And then as enemies came down, I flip really quick, shoot, shoot, shoot some enemies, keep shooting the thing until it blew up and the area was done. It was the easiest area level boss I've ever played against. Mm. Easiest by far. I've never had it like, Never had an easier boss than that. So I got past that, got to the second area, and then I kind of stopped there because I saw the time was going. But, you know, I did enjoy the music. I enjoyed the controls once I got used to it. Visually, it looked great. Um, I yeah, was very good playing, looking game. I, I was playing on the Retron 5, so it did upscale a little bit and did kind of get rid of scan lines and whatnot. But it was... I was playing very, on my GBA micro. You were. Yeah, so we played, <laughs> we played everything but an original NES on this. Yeah. But I liked it. I thought it was actually really good. Um... Like I said, I liked the music. I liked the art style. I liked the controls. I felt that everything was very fluid. Everything worked. Um, it was very straightforward where you had to go. There wasn't any, you know, back and forth and confusion tied to it. Um, you know, outside of, you know, your instance where you forgot to go to that computer. It's a uh, good, but... interesting idea, too. Like, to go from, like, jumping platforms to implementing, like, these kind of swinging mechanics. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I felt it was all good in that respect. And of course, there is a version that is on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. 
uh, that was made. I need to pick that up so we can play it at some point. So do you have any other major thoughts on this game, dude? No, I mean, um, it's definitely one that I think I had a good time with and I would like to go look at more. Uh, we could take a look at the the bottom dollar here, get down to brass tacks. We've got complete inbox, 8054. Uh yep. that peaked at $104.73 back in September of 2021. That's trending up. Uh loose twelve oh nine. That peaked at fifteen fifty back in October of twenty one. And that's uh holding steady. You know, I think for twelve bucks, that's an awesome price for this game. Like I, mm-hmm. I seriously think that that's definitely worth it at that cost. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like you wouldn't be doing yourself a disservice even at fifteen bucks uh, with tight with this title. I think there's a lot oh my of gosh. Is this game deflated? I think it is actually. I, I would say this one's deflated. I, I mean, especially because it. it was fifteen bucks just last year. Yeah, like, and it's holding steady like twelve bucks right now. If you can find this game for fifteen bucks, I think it's a good enough game. I think it's worth it. I mean, there's other retro games out there or not retro, but like indie games that are coming out on a, you know, annual basis, you know, that probably don't hold a candle to this dude. Yeah. Like this is a solid game. And at 15 bucks, I think it's only, I don't think it takes long to beat it. I think it might, might take like an hour or two to beat it. Um, But it's fun. I mean, it's just a fun game. And I always kind of put it to the movie analogy, right? Like you could, go see a movie for a few hours and go drive out there and wait and eat popcorn and all this other stuff and spend, you know, 20, 30 bucks enjoying yourself. Or you can play by on a commando and own it. And if you're a collector and you don't own this one, you should. I mean, it says right here in the wiki in 2008, Nintendo power ranked it as the 17th best NES video game. Like it's in the top 20 NES video games and it's this cheap. What are you doing? Start, start collecting right now. Yeah. Just buy every other game's going to be expensive, but this one's nice and cheap. This one is nice and cheap actually. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised dude, when I saw 15 bucks or 12 bucks, there must like, just be a zillion copies of it or something. There has to be like, there's no reason for this to be that cheap. Uh, so it must, I mean, it's under a hundred bucks completed box, which is not bad. Yeah. Actually it's surprising as well. So yeah, I think it was worth it. Uh, so definitely deflated. So next week, you and I will be in person, which will be fun. Um, I am thinking, which one did I tell you that we? I was thinking about playing next week with you? Mm. I just sent you a message a little bit ago. Oh, uh, you just got uh, Devil's, oh, Third. Devil's Third. Yeah. So we can either play Devil's Third or we can crack out the old Vectrix. Potentially oh, and do, do that. the Vectrix. I got the multi-cart or... Or we bank the Vectrix for another episode down the road and do like, because I think it has all the Vectrix games, we could play like what's considered the best Vectrix games, like the top five Vectrix games, and just like do that. Or even uh, maybe we could just play three. all the ones that we didn't play the first time. There's there's like 30 games on there. Oh, is there really? Wow. I didn't know yeah. there was that many. Yeah. Because it also has some like indie games on there too, I think. Do you have the overlays? Uh, no, unfortunately, I, I could buy the overlays. The overlays are like 200 bucks though for all of them. Dang. Yeah. The overlays I, just give so much context. I know I should. I should buy. We them, can, to be honest. we can always do that. We can always do that later. If you want to save up for those overlays. I mean, I could buy them right now, but I don't want to. 
That's why I said save up. Put $10 aside a month, and in three years, we'll play it. In three years, we'll play it? There won't even be overlays at that point. Uh, I'll look into it. I've I've got some money I set aside from, like, credit card points, which I typically, you know, use for things like this. So. Spoil me, John. I just don't know where to put it. That's my storage issue. Like, I don't, like, the multi-cart is sitting in a case right now, like, in my glass case. Because I don't have like a specific place to put it. So if I get plug it into oh, the Vectrix, I got to I got to do a Barry said, dude, I've got now I, I really can't just plug in the Vectrix. I got to do a Barry did or said and that's to go ahead and take like all the boxes of things that I have that I'm like the collector's edition boxes specifically. And start oh, and them. yeah, 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 because I'm never going to sell them. Right. Like why hold on to an Elden Ring box or, you know, a box of some other title that's just going to sit there and collect dust over the years and take up a closet space. Yeah, only boxes so, I keep are the console boxes. Usually. Actually, I'm not going to recycle them. I'm going to sell them if I can. There you go. That's the better route. Somebody might them. want it. Yeah, somebody might want a box if it's in good shape. So, Alrighty. All right. Well, this has been episode 184 of the Game Players Podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.